Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Hello, my name is Joshua Mercer, realtor with Premier Chicago Real Estate, real estate investor, and the host of the Go Fish Village podcast. Through a series of podcast interviews, boot camps, forums, meetups, and more, our goal is to educate people on the benefits of real estate. Follow us now on social media to keep up with our movement or subscribe now at www.gofishvillage.com to join our email list. As the Chinese proverb states, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach him how to fish, feed him for a lifetime. I'm Josh Mercer, founder of the Go Fish Village podcast. Today we got some black girl magic in the building. We got Brooke Lane, interior designer of Brook Lane Designs. Yes. I'm also one of the partners in Hue. And what's special about Brooke is not only is she a U of I graduate, not only does she have her own firm, she also designed Hue. Yes, which, yes. Which is, which is really dope, man. So, so Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. Oh, for sure. So, so just rewinding real quick, I think I've known Brooke or we've been acquaintances for like, yeah. I don't know. A lot of years. 10, 15 <laughs> years or whatever. Yeah. So when we first uh, purchased Hue, you know, we, we didn't know what we was doing, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, it was, you know, you saw what it looked like before. Yeah. And our first thing, we was trying to do everything right. So we're like, yo, we need an interior designer. Yeah. Yeah. So the first person I looked up, I was like, yo, Brooke Lang, interior design. I ain't, I ain't know anything you did. I was like, yo, I know somebody. Yeah. So Brooke, man, so tell us, how did you get started with interior design? <sighs> yeah, so first, thank you for having me and just thank you for bringing me into this opportunity. Super excited. Um, I got started in interior design actually through architecture. So I went to school, um, went to college for architecture and worked for a few firms and just kind of naturally progressed to interior design. I, I like to be a little more creative and I felt like architecture, you know, just wasn't giving me like that tangible moment that I was looking for. So. Found out about interior design. I was wondering, could I like use my same skills that I had as from architecture school in interior design? And you know, mostly everything transferred. There were a few things I didn't know. And yeah, have them look back. Um, we founded our firm in 2012, and wow. we've just been growing ever since. Making moves. So you've been a little bit modest. So you went to what <laughs> U of I, yep. right? And you got your masters. Yes. So in I got my bachelor's and my masters in architecture, um, which was required to become licensed so i thought i wanted to become licensed but you know it's a lot of it's a lot of school a lot of um tests and i was like you know i think i have another idea so that's kind of how interior design came about so how do how do like art, i mean i know there's a lot of some, some similarities yep. i know architectures draw give you drawings and mm -hmm. ideas but how is how did architecture prepare you for interior design yeah so for me i i've always enjoyed space planning and just really laying out the space to be super functional and so i feel like that's one thing that sets me apart with interior design is like making sure that spaces are functional making sure um obviously it's to code that's really important mm. um and materials you know so you know about sure codes a little bit, yeah. Okay. I know a little bit about codes. You, right. you have to, honestly. Um, so it really, I, I knew a lot of it. I um, maybe didn't know all about color and things like that, but I always had a gut feeling about what looked good. And so you just kind of follow your gut, and that's how you kind of blend the two. So, all right, so we came to you with you. Um, and I ain't going to lie, Brooke ain't cheap, all right? <laughs> that's she right. Ain't, she ain't cheap at all. So we, we came, I'm like, all right, yeah, you know, we had, we had this budget in mind. <laughs> Brooke came with this budget in mind. So, I mean, how do you, 
and I know you you you're dealing with folks that you know we traditionally don't in our culture we can't afford interior designers. Okay. I yeah. I would say like for the most part. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I'm. It's I, a luxury. Yeah. For my when I bought my crib, I mean I went on I bought magazines on Home Depot. Mm -hmm. I went on YouTube, downloaded yeah. house, but. I knew for something like this, we needed somebody who had that expertise. Yeah. So how do you, well, I want to ask you, how do you come up with like pricing? Okay. You know, like how do you, cause I'll tell you what <laughs> we thought it was going to be. And then tell me how you come up with pricing for something like this. So it's, there's several ways to answer this question. I would say for our pricing, we look at the time we're going to spend on mm -hmm. this project. And so this was a full, pretty much a gut, right? Like we needed yeah, to change gut. every single surface. When we walked in, I mean, it was just, it just didn't feel, have that modern feel that I know your brand was gonna have. And that was actually one of the first questions I asked. I said, how much are your drinks gonna cost? Mm -hmm. I said, oh, wow. how much is a margarita? Are we talking a $16 margarita? And you know, you guys are like, well, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, so now we need to have the interiors reflect that. We don't wanna just paint everything wow. black, put some tablecloths on the tables, and pretend like this space is worthy of a $16 margarita. We need to have this place, place look expensive. Mm. You know, there's ways, there's hacks, but make it look expensive, make Ooh. it feel expensive. And, mm. you know, so you guys can really stand behind your brand. And so that was one of the first things Okay, so I looking sure. at the timetable. Yep. So what else? So this project, we came to you like in like March-ish, Yep, I March. Think. Mm -hmm. And then we finished completely September. with your renderings. Yeah. Because it was a process. Yes. You gave us like four or five designs that we had to choose from. Yes. Drawings and whatnot. Yeah. So you was earning your money. So, but what, <laughs> so, okay, we talked about the timeline. So what else? So we, yeah. So like you said, it's a process. So we always start with like inspiration, right? We, we need to get into your head and understand how you want the space to feel. So you guys provided lots of pictures and, you know, we kind of internalize that and know, okay, we want color, we want vibrant, but we also want like kind of sexy and soulful as well. Um, and then from there, we, we put our, we did our space planning. So we laid out how many seats there could be. Um, so again, you can maximize your profits there. And then um, we started to pull together materials. So we kind of went through a process and, you know, you guys had some great feedback. Um, you know, some, it, it was um, back and forth a little bit, but you know, all in all, we came up with a great design. No, no, we definitely appreciate it. So how do you prevent, so like, okay, so you sent us like samples and whatnot. Yeah. How do you prevent, let's say you send us samples and we like, no, but we keep the sample. <laughs> and then we use it anyway. Like, how do you prevent that from happening? Um, well, I wouldn't say that's the thing with samples. I would just say, like, you know, clients do want to sometimes take it into their own hands. But I think you quickly realize, like, why having a designer is valuable and just making sure everything goes together, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's lots of options. And even if you're, like, shopping at a, a, a store, there's so many options. So it's like we make sure everything is consistently on brand with the design. And, you know, you can kind of deviate a little bit, but we just want to make sure the, the aesthetic is what we originally intended. Yeah, we, we're very pleased uh, with the aesthetic. Yeah. So, I mean, for, let's just ballpark. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into specific numbers, but let's say for a project like this, it's a gut. Yeah. Not only are you presenting ideas, yeah. are you doing like the project management as well? Are you bringing on your own team of, let's say if we need an architect or a contractor? Yeah. Is that something that, that comes with Brooklyn? So we do have a, a team that we work well with. And I think that's really important, like how you communicate with your team. Um, you know, a lot of people sometimes have their own teams and 
they don't always communicate well with each other. So, you know, you don't have to use our team, but it's like we've already kind of created the sauce, so you might as well use it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different parts that go into it. Okay. So when you came to us, we did some negotiating. Brooke is tough, you know, because she, she, she wanted that Oprah price, and we were still, like, on the, you know what I'm saying? We was on the, uh, the Ricky Lake, you know what I'm saying? We was trying to get up in there. But yeah. so, like, are you, when you come with a price, are you naturally in the back of your head, like, I know we're going to have to negotiate? Or is it like, yo, Josh is my friend, so I'm going to do you a solid? Like, right. how do you come up with this, with, with your price? So... I would say, you know, you, you are my friend. So yeah. we did, Holmes. we, we, <laughs> we had a, you know, situation there, but um, yeah, I mean, our price is pretty firm yeah. mm. and you know, we, we know what we bring to the table as well. So kind of take it or leave it. And that's one thing I've learned mm. in business. Like you kind of have to be firm. Um, the only way we'll negotiate our price is if we remove things from the scope. Mm -hmm. So, okay, you can't have the whole thing, maybe take half of it. And so that, that's one way to negotiate Because I price. remember when we first started, we was like, man, we're going to pay her all this money just for her ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking that, and then as we got deeper into it, we became more dependent yeah. on your ideas. Yeah. Because when you embark on a new journey, everything is foreign and mm -hmm. you kind of just, you know, you're feeling lost. Yeah. So when, when you first started, um, how did you gain credibility because... I'm sure that price wasn't that price when you first started. You right. probably just getting your foot in the door. When you first started, how did you, you know, create a brand? So it's very much an experience business. And so with each project and with, with, with each client, you learn and you take some nuggets and you say, okay, I'm not doing that anymore or I'm going to continue to do that. So I think knowing, um, having good clients and people that you trust to work with. So like, for example, with your team, you know, we all had a trust, right? So it was like, okay, we know we have a goal and a vision and we know we want it to be this. So we have to all work together to make it that. Mm. You know, some clients like to derail and go off script, go off topic and, or listen to their cousin friend who, you know, watched a YouTube video and things say, it's like, we have a proven, you know, track record, but um, yeah. Sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. And I will say, I mean, since we opened up, we get nothing but yeah. compliments. And yeah. I take full credit uh, sure. for all of it. I'm like, <laughs> I'll call Brooke first, you know what I'm saying? But no, I, I really appreciate everything you did for us. Yeah. Um, but being in this space, I mean, when you yeah. watch like the HGTVs and mm -hmm. even coming up, you don't really see black women yeah. doing this. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's becoming more popular, but yeah. I haven't. I mean, I just happen to know you. I mean, mm -hmm. how is it? Do you feel like you got to do like a little bit more or like offer more? Like, how is it yeah. being a black woman in this space? And let's be honest, your target market all the time, it, it may not be yeah. uh, people that look like us. If you're trying to, because now you got two employees, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you got to make payroll every That's whatever, right. and your employees are bringing really yeah. niche, niche skills to the table. Yeah, I would say being a black woman in this space definitely um, has evolved over time. You know, when I first started out, I um, actually worked with a black mentor. So that was helpful in seeing another um, woman that looked like me and seeing how she navigated the space. And I kind of followed in her footsteps a little bit. So over time, it's gotten better. But you do have to kind of make a name for yourself and, and let people know you're out there, you're around. So just like having visibility, um, letting people know what you do, mm. you know, that's, that's really important, um, you know, to kind of keep going. Okay, so, all right, so can you tell me about, um, now I know when you said you first started, you know, you got to get, it's kind of like a referral-based business. Yep. Um, take me back to, like, 
the first time you were like, all right, I'm going to go full steam ahead into interior design? Because I know if, if my daughter went to school for architecture, <laughs> you know, no parent. I mean, when I told my mom I wanted to be a teacher uh -huh. after graduating from college, and she was like, I done paid all this money uh -huh. for you to go to college, and you're going to be a teacher, you know? <laughs> How did that land on your parents when you were like, yeah, I'm gonna do interior design? Yeah. Or, or your friends, like how did people receive that? So for me, I loved architecture, but I just, after working for a few firms, I knew that wasn't really my place. And so it's like, you know, you do internships and you start to understand And I just wanted to be more creative soon, sooner. So um, switched to interior design. And you know, my parents didn't really understand it. They thought, I think architecture has a bigger, buzz it, it sounds more i don't know the word professional more, or like a more accomplished, accomplished. Yeah, yeah and and it is um but i knew in my heart interior design was more so my speed and i could just be more creative and i felt like i could it's more tangible meaning i can go into people's homes i can make a difference sooner versus like i was working on hotel projects and i mean it would take five years from when we started to when we ended like I needed something quicker so did you <laughs> I needed a little more so when you were working did you quit you just quit your job and went into it or did you start like a lot of us yeah with, with doing it on the side and it kind of like gradually grew and replaced the nine to five so my path is a little bit different um when I graduated with the master's it was 2008 and as you know it was mm. you know a huge yeah, tough time in real estate tough time yeah so I was looking for jobs and I got hired by a black architect out in the south suburbs, um, but he had me doing more business development and I never could really understand why I wasn't with the architects and with the, you know, interning up there. Um, but I now know he was kind of prepping me for something bigger. He saw more of a business owner in me. Wow. And so again, I'm, you know, 24, not really understanding, but I was doing more RFPs and just like still in the firm, but not directly moving lines in CAD. Um, and so then he passed away. Wow. And That's I was like, piece. okay, wait, I don't know where my future is. I don't know where I'm going to go. So I ended up working for a municipality out in the south suburbs doing architectural review. And again, still in the, in the field, but not like, again, directly architect. And I was like, you know, I think... I'm ready for a transition, for a change. So that's how the interior design kind of started to creep up. Um, I thought I needed to go back to school. I didn't. And I just, I, instead of like paying a tuition for school, I went on Amazon and I spent like $1,000 on mm -hmm. books. Just, I was gonna read it, read myself to death. I was gonna learn what I needed to learn and make, make my own curriculum. Um, so I did that, got a mentor, and then just started designing for family and friends and taking pictures of everything that I did. So even if it was a, you know, project that I didn't love. So you like, like walking in the family's crib like, yo, uh -huh. yo, yo, wall yes. bogus. Yes, I need, all of that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let, me, let me give you that Brookline, Brook, Brookline uh, touch. Yeah, you know, and people were annoyed with me, but, you know, they trusted me um, and just started growing a portfolio. So that's kind of how you start to show your experience. So like when, you do, like when you're building, because people may be watching this and they're yeah. like, man, how do I get to that next level? Because we've all have had jobs that we've hated mm -hmm. and, but you get into this thing where you gotta work the job because now your bills are right. at, a, at a certain point. So so you're saying you started doing it on the side. Yeah. At what point did you say, you know what, I'm good at this, I can charge. And not only can I charge, I can charge yeah. a premium. Like what was that aha moment? <sighs> well actually, I got fired from mm. my job. And who got fired, anybody who got fired? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was really, I mean that was, that was, at the time it was devastating. But I realized that was literally God pushing me out the door. It was like literally. <laughs> black people, I got fired, but it was God. No, it was. It was it God. Was because I would have still worked. God pushed me out the door. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would have worked that nine to five and just continued to like 
you know, multitask, if that's mm -hmm. a thing. Um, and, you know, God said, you have other plans, push me out the door. And I kind of had to figure it out. I was pushed into the pool and had to, you know, figure out how to swim. So, um, yeah, just started getting clients and slowly, slowly, grad gradually increasing my fees. Um, I would say a turning point definitely was when, is when um, I hired out, <laughs> starting getting employees and things like that, because mm -hmm. you do have to charge more to in, in order to pay people to assist you. And that's really how you grow too. It's like, you can't grow by yourself. Mm. Um, and I knew that I had to make a change and stop charging lower prices if I wanted to grow. It, my capacity was at 200% and I needed to like, you know, mentally <laughs> for my physical health, um, be a little, take on a little less, but also I still wanted to grow the business. So that was when the prices started to rise and really, you know, being able to stand in your, in your worth. Wow, so hiring people is tough. Like yeah. when in business, building a team, that's like the hardest thing yeah. to do. And I would imagine it's even harder with something like interior design where it's like the Brook Lane type of way of doing stuff. Yeah. So how did you go about trusting people to do good work yeah. in a way that you would do? You know, how did you go about building the team? It was extremely hard, I will say. I failed at it probably for four years. So I started taking on interns and right off the bat giving them too much. Mm -hmm. And when they failed, I was like, oh, well, they may not have been the right person. But really, it was me. I was not training them. I was not giving them the tools to be successful. I thought, if you have some skills here, I can give you everything that's on my plate and see what happens. Mm. And that was not successful. That's so tough. then I started having trust issues. Well. This person didn't work out, so you know how do I trust someone? How do I bring someone into my space? I've given them all of my secrets, and they didn't work out. But I can't grow unless you trust, and so it's a bigger mindset. No, that's real. So how long, <laughs> how long have you been in business thing. now? Ten years. Ten years. Yeah. And was it ever a point where you was like, I don't want to do this anymore, or it wasn't paying the bills? Of course. Yeah, I would say. Like, yeah, yesterday actually. <laughs> <laughs> I would say um, before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I was just feeling burnt out. I wasn't doing my best. Um, I was actually letting some clients down, and I really, really had to sit down and be like, not okay. Us, not you, not but us, right, you got me on the right side. We blasted but, you on social media. No, <laughs> but I have to be honest, like, it's not, it's not easy. And so I, I, I felt myself not doing my best, and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I, something has to change. Do I quit? Or do I really find a way to, you know, fix it? So I had this big plan. But how leading. do you know when you're not doing your best? Is it, is it based off client feedback, or when you're done with a project, you're like, damn, I should have, I should have. You know, I that. was, I wasn't, I didn't have a process. Mm -hmm. I was kind of letting the project grow and grow and scope creep and 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 move to different rooms, and I, I was losing control of the project, mm -hmm. and that creates burnout, right? You don't have a goal, you don't have a set end date, and now we have all those things, but I had to learn how to create that process so I could get what I need out of it. The client can be happy and you know we can all have a successful project so then how do you that's a, that's a good segue yeah how do you stay creative and stay inspired yeah because sometimes you got customer demands you yeah. know you got to have excellent customer service they got high expectations at the same time you're trying to get paid at yeah. the same time you're trying to be in this lane where that people remember like how do you stay inspired do you read books are you surfing the web like yeah. what are you doing I, honestly lately i've been inspired with travel 
and we've been doing a lot of traveling lately and I just go, get so inspired with seeing different um, cities, different countries, like seeing how they do things and wanting to bring some of that influence back to, you know, my design. So we always have a little bit of like a Parisian influence in some of our designs, whether it's molding, whether it's style of furniture, like I really like to just make sure there's like a worldly influence. Um, so yeah, but also just locally, like um, visiting local um, fabricators, craftsmen, visiting um, makers, um, our office is in the Bridgeport Arts Center, oh, nice. and so now we are around uh, ceramicists and just artists all the time, and so I just get inspired daily just walking down the hall to my office. Oh, that's dope. So you talked a little bit about like getting lost in projects. Has it ever been a project where a customer was like, yo, this is the same <laughs> what I thought it was? You know, because even when, we, yeah. when you gave us the designs, we were like, okay, that looks good, you know. But it honestly looks better than what we could have even imagined. But mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine being a client, dumping money into something, and right. then when it's done, being like, you don't love it. it, you know? So, and I'm glad you brought that up. So every step of the way, we make sure the client likes the, the design or likes the progress, right? So that's why we start with inspiration, because mm -hmm. we know we can get into your head and understand exactly um, the design, you know, the style and the feel of the space that you want. Then we move into the layout. So we know we've agreed on the layout. So it's very rare, if any, where we get to the final step and the client's like, oh, I hate this, when they've been a part of the process the whole time. Like, if, yeah, if that happened, which it has not, we would, we've missed the mark. You know, really? it's our job to make sure that the client loves it. We don't, we're never gonna, like, especially for residential, we're never gonna spend a day in your home. We're not gonna, you know, see it every day. So I wanna make sure you love it. And if you don't love it, you need to let us know. You know, you need to be honest, transparent, so we can make sure you love it. So would you prefer a client to say, hey, Brooke, I trust you, do you? Or would you prefer a client to say, yo, this is what I want? Yeah. You know, and, and kind of micromanage you along the process. <laughs> Definitely don't love the micromanage. No, I think because they both got major us. like drawbacks. Because yeah. if I tell you to just do what you want, and it's not what I thought, yeah, that can present a problem. But micromanaging can stunt creativity yeah. too. I say trust. You hire a, a professional and a creative for a reason. So definitely trust us. But again, we get your feedback along the way. We love to push you out of your comfort zone a little bit. So even if you have your own ideas, mm -hmm. you know, they may, they can maybe be stretched a little bit further and just, you know, be more creative. So we may bring in a unusual material or texture just to kind of further your idea. But, you know, clients have a lot of their own ideas and we have to bring uh, it in a little bit sometimes. Have you ever, you ever had to fire a client? Because I work in a service-based business, too, yeah. and clients sometimes be driving me crazy. Yeah. Tell me a situation where you might either fire a client or somebody might ask you to be a part of a project, and you're just like, no, nah, that's not for me. Yeah, so this is a big lesson in trusting your gut. Mm -hmm. And usually with that first meeting, you kind of get a feel for the client, and you know if this is going to go right or wrong. Um, I would say I definitely fired a client several years ago, early in my career. It was a big job that I thought was going to take put me on the map new build up in displays I believe so I was really excited but I didn't have a process I didn't have mm. you know set scope and so the client I mean just drug me around through the mud and I just had a smile on my face and I was just saying yes to everything and then I just got to a point where I was like, this is not <laughs> how it's so supposed like, to go. So like, what do you say? You say, you know, I don't have the capacity to do this or something I like just that. said that, you know, we, we're going to have to part ways. Um, we are over, I believe I gave a flat fee at that point, and we were over the number of revisions because we would, 
design it and then he wants to revise it constantly, constantly. And it's like, that just takes up a lot of our time and it's, we're not giving you exactly what you want. We need mm -hmm. to figure out what you want. But I just think this client wasn't, he wanted to do it himself. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't How know much, why they hired someone. I mean, that's, that's rough. I mean, especially to yeah. fire a big client. How, yeah. how dependent are you on technology? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we use technology. We have to create renderings, um, which we did for Hugh. So mm -hmm. renderings just help everyone understand what it's going to look like before you invest, before you write that big check. Um, you need to know what it's going to look like and how it's going to feel. So we do renderings. Um, we have our project management software to track everything we're ordering. So software is a big part of what we do. Okay. So we came to you for Hugh. We like, look, we're trying to make a cocktail lounge. We want it. You know, we want bottle service. Yes. We like, we amongst each other, we like, yeah, I think $2,500 is, that's a good amount. And Brooke was like, yeah, <laughs> like no. 20X that player. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, projects, especially with the gut, you're looking at six figures mm -hmm. at least. So it, it, that's important to know if Just you're so starting people a know, project. You know, all of this stuff, everything from the, the ceiling to the floor, I don't think it's, the only thing that you didn't touch was the kitchen. Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah. Everything is a new surface. And all of that, you know, has to be durable, right? Mm -hmm. So we talk about materials. You know, you can't just paint, especially in a commercial space, you can't just paint the walls. People, day one, people are going to nix the wall. People are going to, you know, right. damage your space. So it and has to be dope. durable. Yeah, that was stuff that you was telling us. She was like, well, you know, people might be leaning on this. And if it yeah. gets dirty, this is going to be hard. Like, you were, you were basically breaking that down because we're thinking, Cut costs, cut costs, because this was mm -hmm. a big investment for us. But mm -hmm. having that type of guidance just mm -hmm. made us feel comfortable spending the type of money that, yeah. that Brooke demands. <laughs> and a lot of people think because they flipped residential spaces, mm -hmm. it's the same for commercial. It is not. There may be some things you can pull from that, but it's pretty much night and day. And I think that's a big uh, thing that people don't realize. All right, so if we go around here, like, why these floors? I'm putting you on the spot. Okay, yeah. Why, why these floors? So the floors, we went with a vinyl, a luxury vinyl tile. Mm -hmm. We wanted it to look like concrete. So the original floors um, were a little bit banged up and stuff, and we wanted it to look new, We're going to show pictures, too, on the podcast yes. of the previous spot. Yes, so, so we wanted it to look new, fresh, but still kind of have that industrial vibe. You have the big open windows, so we wanted mm -hmm. to kind of play off of that. So that's why we went with the concrete look, and it just looks seamless. So it almost looks like real concrete but it's it's luxury vinyl tile love it and then when people first walk in that was a big thing we wanted we wanted people to be impressed yeah. because the space is only like what 2500 square feet mm -hmm. so we didn't have much to work with so tell me the inspiration behind the bar yeah so we kept the bar in the same location but we knew it had to totally be redone and i think one of you guys were like oh we'll just paint it and it's like you can't put paint on everything. You gotta yeah. redo it. So there were some, um, we did these horizontal uh, wood planks and lit it all from the back. So it just is like very inviting. First, when you walk in, um, obviously the light coming from the ceiling, new bar top, you know, it just needs to look elevated. And then of course the backsplash. So the backsplash, it's really a simple subway tile, but doing it vertically just makes it look more modern. And then um, obviously lighting everything. Lighting is very, was very important in this space, in any space it's important but specifically for Hugh lighting was everything so everything has to have a low dim kind of backlight just to make it look more special so would you say that um, how a place looks yes has a direct correlation to 
how much revenue we can generate. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you've been in places where, again, they paint everything black, they put black tablecloths over card tables, and then they have, you know, a chicken dish for 40 bucks. Like, yeah. that yeah. doesn't feel like We've all been to those spots. Yeah, so yeah. that doesn't feel like it's worth it, right? So for us, for us, for you guys, <laughs> we really wanted to make sure that what you're selling and the brand is, is synonymous, and I think you guys did a great job. No, this is dope. I mean, it it even, you know, it, it made us raise the bar for like everything from yeah. the type of staff that we have. Yeah. We got the all-stars staff over there. <laughs> I mean, the management, the people that we bring in. Yeah. So it really raised the bar for us because I remember when we first started, we were like, all right, we don't got enough money for plates because our budget was like <laughs> like this. And I remember the feedback, like, how y'all going to do all of this? And then y'all giving us paper plates. Yeah. So. You know, you made us better on yeah. on so many levels, so I, awesome. I certainly appreciate that. Yes, and even in the bathrooms too, um, I heard someone say, I judge a place by the bathrooms. And mm -hmm. so I remember you guys just wanted to keep the same <laughs> um, dividers. And I was like, no, these things are falling apart. Like, you can't just paint we them. We're all we guys, to... so you know, we just stand up and no. do our thing. No, Women, no. y'all go in there and take selfies. Exactly. Making, you know, doing a all full type length of stuff. mirror was yeah. a must. And so there's so many little things that are just the little details that people notice and, you know, they, they it's important. Mm. So tell me what's, what's next for you? I know you got some big plans. You yeah. got you're doing business not just in Chicago but all over the country. Yeah. But I would love to hear about, you know, three to five years. What are we when when your name comes up, what are yeah. we what are we saying and what are we hearing? So I am super, you know, proud to say that he was just a big catalyst for a lot of our com our newest commercial projects. Oh, really? Yeah. Hey. Yes. So thank you so hey. much. So we are working yeah. on some commercial projects in Chicago, some restaurants, um, some we'll be sharing all of this on our Instagram. Um, but yeah, we're really excited for just commercial hospitality, some hotels, um, some things of that nature. So we want to really push into kind of bring that residential feel that we do to our commercial spaces. So yeah, I hope we can do some boutique hotels and more restaurants and just public spaces. Um, I feel like with residential, these are people's homes. So not everyone gets gets to experience them yeah. but in a place like Hugh I can you know send a friend there or I can you know visit it myself with with my team and we can really enjoy the space that we worked on and I yeah. think that's really exciting yeah what I love about Hugh it, it looks just as good as it does with the lights off yeah as it does with the lights on because sometimes you go to places the lights come on you're like oh damn <laughs> this is this is you know I can't it's believe tragic. I'm kicking it up in here <laughs> but no I, I I definitely appreciate that um yeah. tell me about um the most challenging aspect of what you do? I would say educating clients on budgets and why things mm. cost what they cost <laughs> is very challenging. I'm learning, again, after over 10 years, I learned that that's the first conversation we need to have. So it's less about what it looks like and more about what So initially you're like, all right, that's good. What's, what's your budget? Yeah, what's your budget? I let them know, you know, what the type of materials and the craftsmen that we work in, the range is going to be. And before we even sign the agreement, you know pretty much what you're going to be spending. Now, there's some wiggle room in that, but, you know, we, we need to have that conversation up front so it's not a surprise. Mm -hmm. And so we're not all, you know, caught off guard. Wow. So budgeting is, is, is tough. Yeah. So I wrote some other ones down. Um, okay. Tell me about the biggest, you might have answered this already, but like the biggest mistake that you've made. <sighs> I think it's not working with my ideal client. Again, we like clients that trust us, that don't want to micromanage us, that don't, uh, we prefer that you let us do it, do what we do best. And, you know, you kind of just 
<laughs> stands to the side. So I would say not trusting my gut and, and working with clients that are red flags, but I ignore the red flags. <laughs> mm. So like, what's your sweet spot in terms of like mm -hmm. what you do, or maybe even in terms of a budget? Is there yeah. like a budget that's like too small? Yes. For the we Brooklyn, <laughs> she done changed on us, man. So we now brand have, new. So what's, what's a budget that's like? You know what? <laughs> You may want to go to Home Depot. They got a nice little YouTube yeah. <laughs> channel. You know, what's a budget that's like too small for you? So we now have project minimum. So we have a minimum spend. So I, you know, it's, it's is hard to say. Is that on the website? Say. It's not on the, well, wow. yes, it is actually. If you go to our discovery. So what's, what's the minimum? Put it on the spot. Mm -hmm. I would say the minimum <laughs> is about 50. Damn. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that could be one room. We can spend 50 in one room. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, I saw that. <laughs> so... So I would say that, but you know, it just really depends on the project. So still wow. reach out. Um, but I would say um, budget. I forgot the question. Just a minimum. Is there a minimum? So all right, let, let's go to like the economics. So let's say <laughs> if I got a budget, what yeah. I might consider healthy, a hundred grand, right? Mm -hmm. Can you walk me through the economics, mm -hmm. approximately of okay, if I'm an interior designer, because I know as a realtor, right? If I sell somebody a, th a house for a hundred grand, I'm gonna probably make twenty five hundred. Okay. Okay. In insurance, my commission is gonna be anywhere from ten to twenty percent of what you're paying monthly. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if a budget is a hundred k, how much of that is like like what percent or roundabout is coming back to the business? Not necessarily you, but just yeah. to the business. So, so the people or this, I would say as a best practice, like. If, if it's like, I know like my contractor from negotiating with him a million times, he like, no, I can't do that. I got to make this. So if you do something mm -hmm. that's 100K, mm -hmm. how much does your business got to make off of that? So I think it depends on the scope and exactly what we're doing. If we're just doing furniture, it's a little less time than if we're doing like some custom, mm -hmm. you know, detailing, maybe some sh custom shelving um, or a renovation. So it just, it really depends. But um you know, we have to get paid for our time. The design fee is, is the biggest part of it. And it's a lot of project management in there too. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So you don't really want to talk about that. Yet, it, it varies per project. I really can't, <laughs> I really can't give one number, okay. but yeah. Well, let me ask you, do you ever, cause I know when I, sometimes we do stuff, even as promoters, right? Mm -hmm. We'll have a celebrity come. And the thing is, oh, we're going to work with him. And if we work with this person, this is going to come. Yeah. And a celebrity don't, they bring all these people. They spend, drink all our stuff. We don't make no money. <laughs> Do you ever work with somebody because you're like, man, if I work with this person, hmm. it's going to bring in other business. So you end up discounting your service because of the look. Is that something that you recommend? So I used to a little bit. I used to think, OK, if I can get in a certain circle or, you know, be referred within a certain group of friends or people, then it could, you know, kind of increase. Uh, our business and sometimes it does a lot of times it doesn't mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think it, it, there is a thing in being strategic and really looking at your risk but yeah I mean I think it depends on the project um, if I if I see a value a, a long-term value I'll definitely you know consider working with them yeah yeah for sure for yeah. sure so let's leave us with some nuggets um you know if, if somebody wants to get started in this business mm -hmm. what are some things that you mm -hmm. can say hey these this is what you consider this is what you should consider not just maybe yeah. in interior design but just in business period, especially for women, yes. for black women. Because um, I'd imagine, I know in my business, I give a million quotes mm -hmm. all the time before mm -hmm. I even can see money. Mm -hmm. 
Can you just give us some, some jewels? You know, entrepreneurship is hard, regardless of your industry. I know you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. So I would say um, just trust your gut. Um, working with clients that really understand and get you and, and understand your value is very important. Um, I would say just my one rule for entrepreneurship is like keep going. So you can make a plan, you know, it's January, you know, you have a whole plan for the year and then in three months you're like, wow, this is not happening the way I thought it was gonna happen. Just mm. keep going. Like the more seeds you, you plant, they're gonna eventually grow and you don't know when they're gonna grow. You know, I've known you for a very long time. This is our first project together. Like you, you don't know when, when certain seeds are gonna grow. So I would say that's uh, one of my big takeaways. I always say, entrepreneurship is like riding a bike so let's say I decide to ride my bike to the lakefront right so I got all this energy and I'm pushing and I'm getting there and then I get to the lake and I'm tired because mm. I've been riding for yeah. an hour or two hours but I have to get home How, if I don't ride that bike if I don't literally physically push my legs I can't get anywhere else so yeah. that's one of my metaphors just keep going like take a break but you know keep going no, that's, that's excellent advice. And yeah. and now, you know, every time somebody comes in this space, who did it? We like Brooke. Yeah. Brooke. Like, to me, that's because, you know, we call the place Hue, which means color. Yep. So we were very intentional about working with people of color. And I'm just yeah. so happy that you was able to bring this, get this place yeah. life. So yeah. when I bring my friends and my family in, it's, it's something that we feel really proud of. So, yeah. so Brooke, I definitely want to thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you. But I'd be remiss, man, if, if people want to contact you or follow you on social media, yeah. how would they go about doing that? So I would say our website is great, Brooke with an E, Lang, no, with a G, brooklang.com. And then our social media, uh, Instagram, we're very active, brooke.lang.design. Yes, yes. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you, Josh. Uh, to see this full interview or more interviews like it, follow us at gofishvillage.com or subscribe at our website at www gofishvillage.com and like the Chinese proverb says give a man a fish, you feed him for a day teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime <laughs>